Are you a college student looking for better guidance on how to, quote, figure out your life after college? Maybe you're slowly looking at jobs, or maybe you're finally getting around to editing your resume. Or maybe you're just getting anxiety awaiting for the question at Thanksgiving family dinner, what are you going to do after college? Yep, I've been there. That's why I created my career ebook guide to help guide you on the path to young adult life in your postgrad career. From custom resume templates, ways to improve your LinkedIn, cover letter examples, top interview questions, and more, it's all in my ebook guide, which you can find on my blog at emilyelizabeth.blog/shop. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, friends. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily, and I am your host. Welcome if you are new here, and welcome back if you are a regular listener. And if you are a regular listener, then you definitely know that this audio quality is Certainly not the norm for me, especially on my intros, and that is actually because I am not at home right now with my normal recording equipment in LA. I'm actually on the East Coast. I'm going to be home for the time being for Thanksgiving, and so going to be with my family. Um, And fun fact, it's actually the first Thanksgiving I'm spending at home since 2017, so this will be nice and fun, and I think... The first one with both my brother and I, my only sibling, since I'm not even sure if he came home. Well, actually, I didn't even come home for Thanksgiving in 2016. So this is the first Thanksgiving at home with my actual entire family. The first one in maybe five years could be even more. So that's a fun fact. But yeah, as I was saying, I don't have my normal recording equipment. And I actually did record the intro for this episode prior to leaving, but somehow it didn't save or I had lost it or maybe I thought I saved it and didn't and clicked out of it. Whatever that may be, I didn't save the intro for this, unfortunately. So right now I'm recording in the corner of my room um, in New York and I just have my AirPods in. So it's going to be very different audio quality for sure, but I will try to keep this intro short and sweet as much as I can. But with that being said, I'm very excited for today's episode. I have Ali on here and she is the founder and CEO of Propel and Connect, which is um, a marketing agency. And I just love everything about her. She has such great energy. Her story on how she met her husband is actually very, very cool and unique. And if you are a Bachelor fan, then you're going to be in for a good one because fun fact and hint, her husband was on The Bachelor. He was actually on Andy Dorfman's season, which I believe was around 2014 because I was a senior in high school at the time. 
So, um, yeah, I remember that pretty vividly, but I think it's kind of funny how it comes full circle. But let me get into um, Allie for a little bit. So Allie Grodd has been in the marketing and events industry for the past 15 years, gaining strong recognition across North America for her creative events combined with her enthusiastic approach to connecting people and brands. A dog mama, a wife, and a true entrepreneur, Allie is a social savvy, margarita-loving foodie who works tirelessly to create her dream life. When she's not traveling, which is often, of course, probably not during COVID, you can find her at home entertaining her friends with plant-based food, creative cocktails, and lots of puppy cuddles. So again, guys, this is actually, honestly, I kind of want to say full of tea in a sense, but Allie just has such a a role model slash idealistic framework as a woman and as someone um, that I think is really a great role model for future women of Gen Z, the the next up and coming generation. She has bold alpha energy. Um, she, you know, really knows what she wants. She puts herself out there. She is just very daring and does things that are outside of the norm, especially as a female. And I know how much this this time right now is so crucial for women and how we head into the future over the next five, 10 years. So I really loved having this conversation with her. We get really honest and raw as all my conversations are. So I hope you guys take something away from this. In fact, I know you guys will. So with that being said, we are going to dive right into it. Awesome. Well, Ali, thank you so much for joining me today. First and foremost, let's talk about how have you been doing during the pandemic? Oh, isn't that like the magic question for everyone? (laughs) Um, You know, it's obviously concerning and it's sad. And I mean, I think so many people are struggling in so many different ways. My agency took a really big hit. We laid off a lot of people across Canada. And I think for Mm -hmm. me, that's been the hardest thing is just sort of like the loss and mourning of those people and those relationships and the responsibility to what that feels like. Um, you know, we're kind of starting back up again and the world seems to be opening up in certain places. I've kind of taken some time to like enjoy myself. I mean, I used to work sometimes 13, 14 hour days. I was flying constantly, constantly out of town. So I've been at home spending more time with my dogs. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people probably needed like a little bit of a reset, a little bit of a break. So I Mm -hmm. think for us, you know, trying to find that silver lining and just spending extra time together, which has been great. Oh, that's awesome that you're able to spend more time. I think that's something that's been important as well, just to reflect on as a silver lining is just being able to slow down a bit. But I'm sure many of us are kind of excited Mm -hmm. now and prepared to kind of get in the groove a little bit more, at least at a, you know, slower upward pace, if you will. (laughs) I'm ready. Yeah. Like, I mean, I took my time and it's been lovely and I, you know, I definitely appreciate it. But I think (laughs) at some point when you're, you know, when you're someone like with a high speed, which I am, I mean, Mm -hmm. taking is also very hard. Like that's, that's work for me. It's like taking time mm-hmm. for myself and slowing down. Um, I've completely slowed down and I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to go. So, um, <laughs> Canada does have some restrictions. I know that every you know place is a little different. We are kind of getting hit again. Um, they've now sort of requested that we stick to six people or less, mm-hmm. um, which is bizarre and obviously very hard to manage, you know, when you come from a big family or big friend group. So we're just right. doing our best and I'm ready for things to start opening again. 
Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> um, but how about we start with your story and background? Give us the whole elevator pitch, your story, who you are, where you came from, just kind of a little bit about what you do. Sure. Um, so, I mean, I guess we should probably start back with like my agency. Um, I created my agency, uh, Propel and Connect, back when I was about 24. I mean, that's a long time ago now. Um, I saw a need for better staffing and better events. And I thought, what a great way to take the people that I knew and sort of curate these great moments with staff. And it was just really one of those things that naturally became my business. I don't think I ever really started my company with the goal of being an event agency. I just thought it was a really awesome opportunity to connect with people, you know, focus on like local market, get to know my community. And fast forwarding 15 years, I've grown an agency where I have offices in two different cities. I have staff all across Canada and some in the United States. And, you know, we basically put together campaigns and events in uh, a travel retail space. So that is airports predominantly. We don't only do that, but so when you ask how I'm doing and why I slowed down, it really comes down to travel has been really affected, of course. Um, So putting together campaigns in airports is definitely tricky. So we've transitioned over time and we work with influencers on campaigns and we work with some social media clients and, you know, we've obviously transitioned a little bit into more of that space. So that company has allowed me to really travel, really be independent, really grow my own business. I started buying and selling real estate when I was about 26. Um, So I got my real estate license at that time because I wanted to be able to have the opportunity to also, you know, grow a different side of my portfolio. You know, I think putting everything in one business can be tricky. So I started buying and selling real estate and I was single for a lot of years. I mean, dating in Vancouver is tough, (laughs) very, 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 very tough. And so I guess about four years ago, five, five years ago, something like that, um, I happened to be traveling to California. I had gone to a gala out in New York and I met this amazing couple and they'd invited me down and I just happened to be there on a work trip and showed up at their event. I saw this gentleman who happens to know me, my husband, and we were very quick to getting together. We were engaged within nine months, married within a year. And he started in my, my business. I had been looking for somebody to help grow the company. And I felt like what I was doing wasn't necessarily very proprietary. I had a lot of contracts, a lot of clients, a lot of staff, and I just really needed someone I could trust to kind of elevate and, you know, really grow the business. So he started on with my agency three years ago. And, you know, that was really what kind of propelled the growth. And, you know, we ended up adopting a dog named Nala together, buying and building homes. And that's kind of where I'm at. Wow. I love the story and I can't wait to dive into (laughs) all of it, obviously. But I'm curious, you said you started the agency when you were 24. Were you in Vancouver at the time? And is also where you're originally from as well? Yeah. So I'm originally from Vancouver, born and Uh raised here, um, well, suburbs of Vancouver. And Mm -hmm. I started working in bars um, really, really young. I was probably like 19 when I started bartending in nightclubs. And back then here in Vancouver, female bartenders, like that just wasn't a thing. I know now, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is bottle girls and like girls are really glorified in that world. But back Mm -hmm. then you were either a server or there was a male bartender. So I was one of the first uh, female bartenders down in the city. And I think that just kind of grew my excitement for wanting to like be in that industry or be part of that industry. It's very fast. I think there was always a lot going on. And I just felt I would see these agencies kind of come into different, maybe nightclubs I was working or events or trade shows. And I just felt there was like, like a lack of customer service. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe whenever you're representing a brand, 
there really has to be like some heart behind it, some mm -hmm. meaning, passion. Um, so yeah, I started that with sort of that goal. Um, I never had the goal to be like an entrepreneur, if you will. I think mm. I knew I didn't really want to work for someone else. I think that's difficult. I'm not a nine to five kind of girl. And I think I really wanted to see my bank account grow. And I felt the only way to do that would be to try something on my own. And back then, like that many years ago, we didn't really have the opportunities that people do now. There wasn't these free platforms, you know, there wasn't an Instagram. Facebook was so new. It wasn't for a business, you know, mindset person at all. So I was really, I was hustling. Like I was knocking on doors. I was phone calling people, like, you know, emailing. I mean, I've really hustled for those first few years to really get my business off the ground. Um, and I do think that now I don't want to say it's easier, but there's so many more resources now. I think mm -hmm. I've learned more about business in the last five years than I have in the 15 that I've owned the company. Right. Right. Wow. No, that's, that's incredible. So you kind of got the idea then just from observing, you know, the, uh, industry and just the environment you were in while you were bartending. Is that right? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, even like, for example, you know, we would travel a lot being a bartender, you know, I had a lot of girlfriends that were in the service industry. We'd pop over to Vegas, you know, for a weekend. And again, there you'd see these events and you'd see these people. And I will say that when you go to Vegas, I felt like the experience was greater. It was grand. It was special. And I think there was something lacking in Vancouver. There, there seemed to be like a lack, like a lack of diversity. Um, there seemed to be a lack of commitment when you were hiring for these events. So, you know, I never really expected it to turn into what it did. I thought originally it would just be a staffing company where I could help businesses provide, you know, excellent staff for, you know, specific events, trade shows, golf tournaments, liquor demonstrations. And as the world has evolved, you know, people require more and more from outsourced staffing you know, and that's where we transitioned into an events agency and experiential where we create the campaign. And it's really just evolved very heavily. And I've just had to change with the times. Right. How did you initially gain clients in the first few years? I know you mentioned oh, you were hustling yeah. a lot. So what's like, you know, how did you approach that? How did you, you know, overcome the fear of getting no's and in that whole process, especially when you first started, I'm sure, like you said, there, you know, oh, it's horrible. Media was not, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, all of this right now that what we have is not a thing back then. So share how you got your foot in the door with, you know, clients. Well, so I was always really good at networking in the sense of like knowing my reach and knowing my resources. And I remember making lists of people I knew that represented brands or worked for companies or even family members that maybe worked for a company. And I just started making lists. And I remember reaching out, sending emails, you know, showing up at offices, handing out my business card, which I remember getting for like, you know, $9.99 for a thousand when I first started the business. And I just remember spending a lot of time grooming those relationships, hoping that maybe one day they'd pan out because of course, you know, you're so new. I was so young. People weren't even really sure what I was promoting at the time. Like, so you, you've got staff and we hire them from you and couldn't we do that ourselves? And there were definitely times where I had created a relationship. For example, we worked with a nightclub at one point and we were helping them hire, you know, their girls at the front door that were doing flyering or promoting. And we ended up canceling that contract with them. They said they were going to go further with it. And a year later, I saw the girl that had worked for me working for them doing the exact same job. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of that because I don't know that people really valued the service. And that obviously I created, I think that sort of reminded me that I had to have something really special. And I worked a lot on how I, how I hired, how we recruited the types of people we were recruiting to really elevate it. Cause it's one thing to think that you're going to bring something new to the table. It's a totally other thing to actually do it. 
Mm-hmm. So it took me a couple of years to really get this great group of girls and men together to sort of build this team here in Vancouver. And yeah, I mean, I was literally showing up at nightclubs, like introducing myself to management saying, Hey, like if you ever have events, I remember waiting and watching for, you know, maybe the Corona sales rep to come into the bar and put his booth together. And I'd be right over there with a card. And it really took me like getting a few clients to really gain traction. And I, one of my clients, and I love this story, he was probably one of my first clients. He worked for a company called Labatt Breweries and he used to book demonstrators from us. And now he owns his own company out here in Vancouver and we're still working together. And that's 15, 16 years later. Wow. Wow. So, I, so nurturing, yeah. nurturing relationships, I think with any business, I mean, I've, I've told this story in the past when we started working in airports, I recall being recruited to hire for a position that was four hours a day, five days a week, really small contract you know, very, very small contract. And that same client ended up booking seven people across Canada full-time for me five years later on an ongoing relationship. And so that's why I always tell people, even your smallest client needs to be treated like your biggest one because you never know when things are going to shift. And I think prioritizing everybody is really important if you're going to take them on. Right, right. So, okay. So I'm also curious too then, since you were doing this at such a young age, and again, the resources we have today, we're Mm -hmm. not there. How were you, you know, I guess, sustainably living? Like, did you have another part-time job for income? Like what was, you know, that part process like, you know, did, were your parents concerned like at the time? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, cause I think those are questions so many. Those are great have, questions. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I will say like my parents are definitely, I mean, they support me hundred percent, but I think they were probably a little concerned, but I don't think anyone's ever been able to tell me no. And that's probably uh, why okay. I am where I am in business. I never take no for an answer. And I think you just have to have that mindset if you're going going to open up a business on your own. Um, the first year or two I was bartending, you know, two or three nights a week to sort of financially support the business. And I remember thinking, I was still young. I must've been 27, 28. And I remember thinking like, gosh, you know, how do I look as a business owner standing behind a bar? You know, Mm -hmm. am I going to be taken seriously if my client comes in? Like it's a great foot in the door, but is it going to create long-term relationships with global clients? And I felt like I had to sort of jump in all the way and give up those side gigs Mm -hmm. to really ensure that my business could take the lead. And that's what I did. And I never looked back. And as I mentioned, I did get my real estate license and that was truly like passion. I knew I was going to be buying and selling real estate. So that was really like a passion project for myself. Um, But other than that, I mean, I jumped right in probably two years after, you know, swimming a little bit and struggling a little bit. And I just knew that if I did that, I was going to be more accountable to myself. Right. Is that something you advise to, I guess, especially young women today when it comes to the balance of, do I go all in on my business or my freelance work, whatever that may be, or do I be practical because of financial reasons and, and, you know, keep something part-time? Like what's, at, at what level do you feel like it's very easy to decide? Is it like a numbers game? Is it a, you know, like what is that for you in your well, eyes and just from your experience? Well, so I would say, and like, and again, I, I might not be right on this, but I would say I would make decisions in my life to find a way to afford my lifestyle by focusing on one thing. So if that meant getting a roommate, if that meant getting two roommates, if that meant, you know, I think moving other things around, because I do think that you really need to put all of yourself into something if you want success. And I, I believe like from my experience, those first two years were a perfect example of being a bartender and also trying to start a business. Who was I to people? Was I a bartender or was I, 
you know, a business owner. And it is confusing for people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's confusing for yourself because you think you have a fallback. And sometimes when you have a fallback, you're not working hard enough at something. Ooh, that's great advice. Wow. Did you go to school or, or have any like formal, like, I guess, uh, no. professional job prior to like starting your agency or like, did you kind of learn, like learn the ropes yourself? I mean, that's obviously kind of a tricky niche market as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I took some night courses and I've, I've always sort of educated myself on my own. I've never done formal, you know, schooling. I didn't mm. get a degree. Um, my parents split really young when I was really mm-hmm. young. And so mm-hmm. I was moving out on my own fairly young. And I think that was sort of my push. I mean, I never wanted to feel like I didn't have something. I always wanted to support myself. I always wanted to know that like I could count on myself. And I think there's a lot to be said for that feeling, knowing that you're good on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, for myself, it was just really like, I mean, it was some challenging times. And I think self-education is awesome. So is schooling. I mean, one thing I don't have is that corporate background. So, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm pitching a really big corporate client, I'm sure there's times where I don't understand their lifestyle and what they've been through in their job, um, which probably is a disadvantage to me. But then I hire people that have, and they have that experience. And we create that in our office setting. And I kind of learn from the people I hire. Mm, that's actually very smart though. Learning from the people you hire. I feel like that is such a, you know, sustainable way to do business in a sense where you're learning from the people that work with you, you know, from your team. And that's how you combine people with knowledge in different areas into one group, right? Like that's why they always kind of say like, you know, uh, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room or that you don't want to be hiring people that don't know more than you. Rather, you actually do want to hire people that know more than you, right? Because then they are able to teach you things that are going to help propel not only yourself, but your business and then the team as a whole. You've got it. And that's exactly it. And I think, you know, when we rewind back and talk about, you know, giving up to do your job or create this business on your own, at some point you will start to outsource. You will start to hire those jobs that you're not good at. And that's okay. Mm. But I think in the beginning, understanding, you know, what you're good at, what you're not good at, where you're struggling. Those are all really important moments as an entrepreneur when starting a business. I just recently started a second business. It's a sub company to the one I own now. It's called Our Collective Mm -hmm. Experience. It's a pop-up micro event agency. And so we were focusing on these intimate moments during COVID. Um, And that being said, again, that's a trial and error. It's a little new to us. It's a little different, but I needed to go through all of it to really understand the business side of things. And now I can outsource and now I can hire because I know what it requires. Right, right. And you mentioned as well, you have offices in two different cities. Which cities are those? So Vancouver here, and then we uh-huh. have an office in Irvine, California. Oh, you have an office in yeah. Irvine? Yeah. So oh. Marcus, my husband, so he's American. We haven't really jumped into him yet. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, like I mentioned, helps me and supports me in the company. So he's the director of the business. And he spends a lot of time in the States, kind of managing oh. that portfolio for us. And so lucky for us, we still have that because I would say we, there's more traction happening for you guys than over here. I don't think mm-hmm. you guys have been shut down quite the way that we have. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, like, I, I feel like, for example, I, I have family in Australia who are saying masks oh, are yeah. not common over there, apparently, yet their borders are locked down, but mm-hmm. they actually don't wear masks like outside or like, even when they see masks, like photos of people wearing a mask online, they, they said that's like a different world to them. So I'm like, what really? Like to us over in the US, it's like weird if you're not wearing one at this point. Um, so it's, I feel like, yeah, everything in this world, it's happening at different paces. Like you never know 
know what's going on. But Irvine, that's actually such a great location. Funny enough, I actually used to live in Irvine. Um, I, oh. I live in now. Yeah, but that's why I was surprised um, that's in Irvine. But why did well, you choose that specific location if, if there was one? Okay, so basically kind of rewind to the airport stuff. So because our business is so heavily into airports, um, we, we didn't want to be quite by L.A., I mean, sort of coming from Orange County, like we were looking for something kind of happy medium, something in the middle. We had signed a really cool contract with a client out there in 2018. So that's sort of what kind of, that's what, what created that relationship to Irvine. Um, and again, Marcus, I let him spearhead that. And that was sort of his logistics. He thought made a lot of sense. And we started doing a lot of events out that way. Um, and it seemed to be kind of in the middle. It wasn't too far from LA and we could still get over to Orange County where we had family and friends. And I mean, I love California. I mean, it's just, there's a vibe, right? It's such a different vibe. It's vibey. And I miss that. And I can't come. Um, it's been, I guess, eight months. And our barters are closed. So we can't come into the United States right now. So him being American, that's the reason he's spearheading all of that and getting to do all the fun stuff. Right. <laughs> well, I right. sit back here and move a house. <laughs> yeah wow okay and then before we dive into the relationship stuff as well because I know we mentioned we would talk about it but what's your best career advice for young women I feel like you gave you know so much insight mm. there you know but like you know from your years of experience you know from starting at 24 doing this all on your own obviously bartending a bit and just kind of doing it all what's your best advice that you would give to anyone that's maybe 22 right now just graduated college or about to graduate college and they're so immersed in this new world um, and they want to learn from someone that's had so much experience hands-on. What would you say? I would just say go for it. And I would say that if you don't take no for an answer and you really believe in yourself, you can have whatever you want. And I really believe that. I really believe that if you are set on something, you can have it and you have to expect no's and you have to expect challenges, but you will evolve and those failures will help you grow. And I can tell you that some of the biggest fails in my business have been the greatest blessings because the most growth has happened from those moments. Mm -hmm. And I think just go with it and stick with it. And my second piece of advice is if you can find a mentor, you do have someone that you can look up to, or you could reach out to, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to like lend an ear. I think mm -hmm. sometimes just having that, you know, conversation with someone that you admire can really give you that light bulb moment to know that you're ready. Mm. Wow. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, okay. Well, let's dive into your relationship a bit. I know, um, you know, there's uh, definitely some good story behind this and I know you shared a little bit about it already, but um, let's start off with, uh, I guess, how you met him. I feel like for some reason, I thought I read that you like kind of met through social media DMs, but I guess it sounds like you met technically through that event or how, how did it really okay. all start? And okay. I, I want to hear it all. <laughs> okay. So I watched The Bachelor, big mm -hmm. fan, yeah. loved the show. And I had been watching the season that my husband was on. He was on a lady by the name of Andy season. I remember watching him and thinking, gosh, those like Texas guys, just they're so unique. They're so special. There's just something different. And coming from Wait, and is it Andy Dorfman? Yes, that's correct. Oh, no way. Okay. Okay. okay so I he was on her season. Okay. <laughs> so I watched it and I watched it with all my girlfriends. And I remember just shooting him a message being like, you're dang cute. And like, <laughs> that was that. it. I just said something like, you're dang cute. And like, if you ever make it to Vancouver, like we must have drinks. And he wrote back and was like, oh my gosh, you know, thanks so much. And like, you're cute too. Like, it was just like a very light, <laughs> it was a very light conversation. And that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I mean, I'm forward. I'm a very bold woman and I'm very confident. I've never, ever been nervous to walk up to a man in a room and tell him exactly what I'm thinking. So I I wasn't shy to message him and people like, you messaged him? I mean, girls are so offended. They're like, like, what did he say? (laughs) I mean, I'm not really even doing it for him. I'm doing it for me. I mean, that's how I felt. You're dang cute. And I'm going to tell you, you're dang cute. So I sent the message. We had a brief conversation and I think he had said something along the lines of like, I hope one day our paths cross. Oh, never thought about it again. Um, and like, this is kind of a segue conversation, but my brother had been dating a girl. Me and her had plans to go to Vegas for Halloween. She had canceled last minute. I was supposed to be meeting other people and I was single at this point. And I said, you know what? I really should just cancel. I mean, who needs to go to Vegas, like single and alone. And I thought, you know what, these are the moments where you kind of just have to go out, go out of your way to like get out of your shell and just do something out of the ordinary, going to Vegas by yourself as a girl is the most. Oh my God. You went to Vegas by yourself full on by myself. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So like I was, so I was, I I love to travel and I always had friends in different cities. So I always knew I'd have someone there. I reached out to a couple friends that I'd known in the past. I said, Hey, I have this trip book, supposed to go with a girlfriend solo. Are you around like one of the nights? And I thought, you know, I'm just going to go. It's beautiful, better weather than Vancouver. I'll go make the best of it. Met up with a girlfriend from LA and we ended up meeting these guys from Pennsylvania. Long story short, great guys. And like, I like to meet people. Like I used to say because I will literally fill my pockets full of good people while I travel and like keep in touch. And some of my greatest relationships have been from like, you know, one-off meetings in like Mm -hmm. lobby bars. So met these guys. One of the gentlemen hosted a big gala in New York. So he had said, Hey, like love for you guys to come. We ended up going six months later. Again, I went by myself to this gala and mm. flying there, like, am I going to feel so uncomfortable? Right. Myself to this gala, and I met this incredible couple. Uh, they were from Newport Beach. We just vibed immediately. I ended up staying a couple of days longer in New York. We really hit it off. Just a really unique couple. They worked mm-hmm. together. He was seven years younger than her. Just really admired them. They were just a really great couple. We kept in touch, and I kept meaning to get out to see them. I had had a crazy long work month. And I decided to go see them. And they were like, listen, we're going to throw a barbecue and we're going to have some friends. There's some cute guys going to be there. And I was like, <laughs> cute guys. Well, see you there. So <laughs> I booked my trip. I planned to stay with them. And I walked in and then I saw Marcus. Oh my gosh. And that was, was wait, wait, that was unplanned. Like you, and like, but, and this is, so you, you did meet him through DMs technically, but he yeah. happened by sheer chance to be at that barbecue. Exactly. And like, I mean, I don't even know that they had any plans on introducing us. I mean, again, we have a big, we have a big age gap. Um, Marcus is seven years younger than me. Funny Uh because her is seven years younger than her. But normally I dated about seven years older. So that was Uh a big, you know, normally I probably wouldn't have noticed a younger guy in the room. I Mm -hmm. tend to look for the older guy in the room. Right. And I was like, how bizarre is this? And he came right up to me. Like the second (gasps) I walked in, he was just like, Hey, and we just, I didn't even want to say anything. I'll be totally transparent. Like saying, oh, by the way, <laughs> four years ago, I like slid into your DMs. Oh, I was that was four to- years ago too. Wow. Well, something like that. I mean, maybe it was two. I guess at that point it probably would have been two or, okay. I mean, it was, it was a little bizarre and I sure was not going to be throwing that out there. Like how creepy and crazy would I have looked? Right, right. So we just kind of chatted and we just had like a great time at this party. And he had said like, do you want to grab dinner tomorrow night? I said, absolutely. And he picked me up and we went for dinner and it was like one of those like seven hour dinners where it just felt uh-huh. so great and so special. And 
it felt different, like 100%. And I'm a girl that dated. I dated a lot. I loved dating. I was never a girl that didn't love dating. I had mm-hmm. great luck dating and some bad luck dating and mm-hmm. terrible dates and good dates. And it felt different. And we left the restaurant and we got in the car. He always opens the car door for me and he sat beside me after mm-hmm. and he said, you know what? My dad always told me I would know what it felt like to meet my wife. Now I know what that feels like. Oh my God. And I mean, I'm like 35 at this point. Like, where the heck is my husband? Like, where are you guy? And I just right there, I was like, okay, so here he is. Like, this was the moment. And this is why all these guys in the past didn't work out. I mean, you have those questions when you go to an age of 35 and you're going like, hmm, how come it hasn't worked for me? And, you know, the best piece of advice I can give to anybody in my shoes that's 35, 30 and over, whatever age you're at and you're feeling right. like it isn't your time. The universe gives you what you want when you're both ready. And I look at it now, if Marcus mm. had been in Dallas, if he hadn't gone on the show, he would have stayed in Dallas. If he would have stayed in Dallas, oh. it would never have happened. We would never have walked in the same room. You know, that show propelled him to get to where he needed to be for our lives to cross. If I hadn't gone to Vegas solo, I wouldn't have met that couple that had me come to their house. Like it all, if you start rewinding back on your life, you see all the places that it took you. And it just felt so right. So that was sort of it. I, that was it. We got matching tattoos the very next day. We were like love sick puppies. <laughs> and, um, that it just fast forwarded pretty fast from there. I am screaming inside. I have so many questions. <laughs> okay. Um, where do I even begin? Okay. First. Um, so how old were you at the time? Were you, you're not, you're 35 now, right? Or were you no, 35 at the time? I'm, I'm 38. I'll be 39 in December, which I just okay. kind of get my words around sometimes. Okay. And okay. Also that evening, did you end up revealing that the, the DM situation happened? No. Or at the point you didn't? Okay. okay. No, <laughs> I was really I curious. Guess, <laughs> yeah. You know what? So this is the, the this is the craziest part. So mm-hmm. in the end, I told him at dinner that night, he's like, no way. He's like, that's funny. He's like, to be honest, I didn't really respond to a lot of girls because I already kind of knew I was heading on to paradise. So, you know what I mean? I wasn't Mm -hmm. looking to start up a bunch of conversations. I probably, you know, messaged a handful of girls back just saying thanks or very kind of you. Right. That's interesting. I didn't have the message in my phone anymore. Like I delete, you know, it'd been years. Like, that's bizarre. And when we ended up coming back to Vancouver, like a couple months later, we went, I was like looking through an old phone. I had the photo of the screenshot of Marcus and I's conversation. And it was like June 21st, 2014 that I had messaged him. And it was actually June 21st, 2016 that we met at that party. It was literally uh-huh. two years to the exact day. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm also curious, what's your thoughts on HIA? Because this is also more for even me, but definitely for the crowd that listens to this. So obviously you mentioned you typically don't date seven Mm -hmm. years younger. If anything, it's Mm -hmm. seven years older. And I'm actually the same way. I'm 23, but oftentimes the people I've dated or been with have been, you know, quite an age gap, you know, average. Yes. I'd say seven years on myself. Um, but my friends oftentimes have not had that experience, but I'm curious for you. Did you ever have, I don't know, any friends, any, you know, family members ever comment on your age gap? Not maybe not just like, you know, your current marriage, but just even in previous times when you did date someone significantly older, was that ever an issue for you? And if so, how did you get around that? So I think like you make a good point. I like, I can think back to my dad and I think older guys and even like five years, you know, like at your age now, like sometimes that seems like a lot for a parent, you know, when they're looking at a guy that's 30 and you're 25, yikes, that seems like a big age gap. Um, I think my dad was the only one that ever had anything to say. 
Um, and I was always attracted to older guys. Number mm. one, I just think they're strong. I found them to be leaders. And I, yeah. I really look up to that. But I yeah. realized as I got older and I got stronger and I became more of a leader and I became more successful, I was having clashing experiences with those types of men. Mm. I wasn't feeling like I was able to keep rising. I felt like there was a maybe a part of them that maybe liked where I was at. Mm. And meeting Marcus, like immediately I felt like someone was in my corner. Like he was like, well, yeah, like, let me look at your business plan. Like, let's, let, let's go over this. Like you've got this event coming up. Like, I'd love to give you my advice. And it felt like having a true partner. And I don't know that if I had, I had had that in the past. And I think mm. maybe, and I could be wrong and he might not, not like that I say this, but I think in some ways, younger guys look up to you when you're older. And I think they treat you a little bit differently. And I feel like he lets me lead and he, respects that I want to kind of take charge when I want to take charge. He knows when to take charge. Um, and that's, what's really balanced us out. I mean, I have girlfriends that are like, Oh my goodness. Like, I don't know anybody that can handle you other than Marcus. So, I mean, we balance each other out. Do I think that there can be some obstacles with seven years? Probably. I'm sure for a lot of people that might be a, a really big age gap. Marcus himself has lived in several different countries. He was a professional soccer player when he was, you know, 16. He opened up a back clinic in Dallas when he was super young. Like he, he lived a lot of years. By the time he'd done bachelor, right. he was, you know, 27 years old. He'd done, he had done so much prior to me that I right. feel like mentally he was a lot older. And I, I do think there's something to be said about Vancouver or maybe Canada in itself. Sometimes people stay where they're, where they're raised. Mm -hmm. Don't move around much. You know, if you're from Vancouver, you're probably not going anywhere, but Toronto, it's one other city. Yeah. I feel like when you're dealing with Americans, you guys move around a lot. You know, you've gone to college somewhere else. Your parents have raised you somewhere. I think you're just a little more exposed to people and maybe you grow up a little faster. So I don't feel the gap with him. Mm, that, that's good. And you talk about it because, or it, the, the, I guess the positive effect of it is because of his mental experience mm -hmm. and being more mature. So I guess in the reverse way, if you like, how would you think of it? If, you know, if as a woman, obviously you're, you're bold, ambitious, you've done a lot hands-on on your own, you know, to date an older man, um, seven years, would you say that's like, I guess in today's world, for those who criticize that, would you say, for example, if both have the same mental maturity that there's reasons why that could make sense? Yeah. And I mean, like seven years, in my opinion, is probably pretty small. I mean, I've seen relationships where there's 22 years. Oh, exactly. Similar, exactly. Right? Like, it's, that's, it's, what, I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's so hard to know. And I mean, I listen, I'm sure there's relationships that I've looked at and gone, wow, that's a big age gap. Um, could they have a lot in common? Maybe. And I mean, I guess that's what it really comes down to, you know, your goals, your visions, your dreams, the, the kind of people you are, the, the, you know, the passion for living that you guys share. I mean, if that all aligns, I mean, age really can just be a number, but I'll be honest. I don't know that I could date someone 20 years older than me prior to Marcus. Mm -hmm. Like that would have been a little bizarre. Um, seven was like my comfort zone. <laughs> I, what what I about 15? What is 15 years too much to you in your opinion? You know, no, I mean, I don't think anything's too much for me. I think it's just, I think I like, I like a certain kind of look on a guy. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, yeah, men, do, men do age very well. So I mean, right. I think it's probably easier for them at times, because I'll be honest, I'm, you know, getting close to 40. I'm seeing age in my face, like for uh -huh. sure, like lines that I didn't believe were going to happen or here and 
things have moved on my face that really upset me. And I think seeing a guy seven years younger and noticing that he gets more handsome as he gets older, that's mm-hmm. tough. So if you're someone that's really critical on yourself, that can be very difficult. I would say every year I get older, I, I see things and he stays the same. Like, you know, and he'll joke and say, whoa, when you're 50, I'm just going to be 43. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we get it. Like, we get it. <laughs> you know? So yeah. I think it's, it's, it just really depends on, I guess, your confidence too, because if you're dating a, a guy or married to a guy that's a lot younger, I mean, it really depends on how that relationship makes you feel. Right. How do you personally deal with um, any comments or, you know, maybe, I guess you could say judgments on age gap, mm-hmm. you know, for, for your, you know, for your current one. And again, even in past experiences, you know, I know you mentioned your dad was slightly concerned, but um, I definitely know it just with today's world and, you know, the access to dating, you know, through apps and all that social media, you know, age gap can be more of a thing just because you have access to people mm-hmm. more so than you do back in the day. Um, but I mean, I, I guess this is again, probably more of a personal question on my end. I'm really curious just how you would okay. handle it. But you know, for me, it's like I've dated people that were even yes, like 10 years older, um, but certainly like young women my age who are kind of maybe on the average intellectual mental scale of a 23 year old. Um, they don't understand that. Like, have you dealt with that? Like seeing friends or people just not understanding how you could date someone, you know, so much younger or so much older or right, you know, whatever that may be. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny because the gentleman I dated prior to my husband was probably about eight years older. So he like, there was definitely Mm -hmm. like a big difference. Um, I don't know that, I don't know that anyone's really given me a hard time. I think like when I met Marcus, people are like, whoa, girl, like good for you. <laughs> right, Seven right. years younger, like he's a hot babe. You got him to move to Canada for you, like way to go. Um, I think for the most part, the people that I surround myself with are really tolerant, really open, very, you know, very unique people in, the, in their own way. So I've never really experienced it, but I will mm-hmm. tell you where I did experience it was, you know, him coming off this reality show. I don't come from that world. Mm, I didn't sign right, up for any right. show. I'll mm. never forget one of the first photos. Everyone was like, she looks older than him. She's okay. old. And it's like, thank you, I am. <laughs> I am older. So thank you for noticing. I mean, I can't be mad at that. But I also didn't sign up for it. And so in the beginning, it did really affect me because I thought, right. wow, like, that's really offensive. And Marcus used to say, why does it bother you? I'm like, well, I don't know. It'd be like me walking down the street and someone yelling, hey, you look 40. That would upset me. Like, right. it doesn't matter if it's a stranger. I think it always somewhat bothers you. And maybe because somewhere deep down, it bothered me knowing that I had found someone that was seven years younger. And I had, I felt like maybe I had noticed the age gap, like physically, not necessarily, you know, mentally or emotionally, but definitely Marcus can look very young at times and I can look 40 at times. So Mm. I think it's more of like a personal feeling for me. And I think that personal struggle when I first, you know, came into his life. I mean, he had gone on a show and gotten engaged and married after. And I think coming off that side of things, people were just so shocked that he was in another relationship and people felt like they had, you know, you live through these shows. Right. I was you know, an obstacle, I'm sure, in their fantasy of what his life should have been. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm curious, did you like what kind of obstacles I, I guess that maybe outside of that did you have to deal with in regards to the Bachelor Nation and any like was there, you know, any backlash or did you get any like mean DMs, comments? Any oh, that? I mean, it's like I'll never forget. Like, so we have been together, we have been married three years, we've been together, well, we've been married three and a half years, we've been together, I guess, four and a half years. Um, and there will still be people like on my photo, like, is this his wife? What happened to his other wife? Or what? I mean, oh it's just bizarre that it's, and I, and I get it. They watch these shows. They, it, it, it comes with it. And I, I can understand that now, but I'll be, be honest, like those first 
few years, I mean, he would, he posted our wedding photo and people were like, isn't he married? Um, where's his wife? <laughs> what happened? And like, you know, you got to give it a little chuckle because you have to really understand like what they're exposed to is a show that they've seen and probably never seen more of, you know, his life since. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's your most beautiful day of your life. It's very special. This is our intimate moment where we share our love and someone has something to say, like, you know, where's his ex? Mm. And I think, you know, that's something I hadn't prepared myself with, you know, and I'm sure you would feel the same. And when you are organically have an account, you grow it and it's friends and family and it, you know, turns into maybe a bit of a, you know, micro account for yourself. You don't really get that sort of backlash. I mean, it's Mm. just, you don't, um, so there was definitely a bit of that. I mean, there was definitely a bit of that. I mean, I remember someone messaging me and be like, you wear too much eyeliner. I was oh like, my well, thank gosh. you for the observation. <laughs> I will note that wow. next time I wing my eye. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Was anyone in your family surprised by how quick you guys got married? I think everyone, like, I think everyone was very concerned how fast it was moving, even though I was, I kept saying I'm a grown ass woman you know, 35 years old. Like I'm not running out of the house at 21 going, I've met this guy. Um, It felt really right. I think what freaked my father out was, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, it was our second date and we had, he had gotten my name tattooed on him and I had tattooed his name on me and I don't even (laughs) have tattoos. Like I have one tiny little tattoo. And I had said, daddy, I got to tell you something. And he was like, I'm like, I, I got this tattoo. He's like, holy fuck. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like I've never seen my dad. So I rate and I call him back and he doesn't answer. And he's with some family friends. And I'm like, is oh. dad cool? They're like, he just doesn't know what you're doing. And I, was oh like, I mean, I'm grown. Like, I mean, I'm clearly grown. And so trust the process. And I think mm-hmm. once Marcus came back to visit, so I had spent, I had extended my trip by quite a few weeks and I had spent maybe mm-hmm. 20 days with Marcus and I flew home for a week and he had flown in, met my whole family because we had plans to pack up and I was going to spend a few months with him out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a really supportive family though. I have really supportive people in my life and I feel like I've navigated it really well like that. I mean, I think it's so nice to have good circles around you. And I mean, my life probably wasn't like that at 25. I've curated those, you know, relationships over time and I found the ones that work for me and the ones that don't. And my parents are very, very, very supportive at the end of the day. And you really, you really score when you get a guy like Marcus in your family. He's just, Mm. he's truly just like a family guy. Right. I'm definitely curious too. I want to ask about just your perspective on timing because you touched on it a bit. You said, you know, if he wasn't on the show, he probably wouldn't have left Mm -hmm. Dallas. Um, You know, if you didn't go to Vegas that one time by yourself, which I Mm -hmm. love that you mentioned that because I'm all about, you know, teaching younger women on this, you know, show. It's like, hey, like, you know, it's okay to like have the balls to like go mm-hmm. to dinner by yourself. Or I mean, Vegas, that's like a, that's probably now going to be on my bucket list <laughs> going there by myself. I live in LA. It's like an hour, 40, I mean, like a 45 minute yeah. flight. Like I should try it sometime. But um, I, I love like, you know, seeing other women get out of their comfort zone and, and do something where people are like, wait, what the hell? Like you're doing something like that. So I'm curious though. Okay. What, what's your take on the phrase right person, wrong time. As in like, do you believe there's such thing as you can meet a right person at the wrong time? And I think obviously timing has played a huge part in your life. So I would love for you to share your thoughts on just this aspect. Well, it's very interesting because me and Marcus talk a lot about this because I'm always like, you know, what, what would have been different? So a couple years back, I had been asked if I wanted to be on The Bachelorette Canada. They were casting for The Bachelorette Canada and they had asked if I wanted to come in and meet with the casting directors and, um, 
I hadn't done any reality TV at this point. I don't know really how they'd sort of source me. And they'd said, you know, we've heard your story. Your name's come up several times. Like, would you be interesting to meet with us? And, you know, I really thought about it and I'll just be totally transparent. I am a terrible drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I am a lush. I love my tequila. I really need to stop after two, but I never stop and I keep going and I love it. And I just thought, gosh, I don't know that that would be the best representation of myself. I also was a little nervous about being the first to something like that. It was the first Bachelorette Canada. I just didn't know how that was going to play out on TV. Um, so I ultimately told him I wasn't interested in going down that road, but me and Marcus talk about this. He's like, you know, maybe that was the other path. You know, maybe you would, you would have chosen that and we would have connected through that franchise. I think mm-hmm. wrong timing is really a thing. I really think that the stars need to align. I felt ready two years before I met Marcus truly. Like I think at 30, 31, 32, 33 is when I was really starting to feel like whole as a person. I had, you know, gotten what I wanted out of life in in a way. I'd achieved what I had wanted to achieve. I'd seen what I wanted to see. I dated the guys I wanted to date. I had done kind of what I felt like was enough. And some people get there at 25. I wasn't there at 25. And I I kept wondering like, where is this guy? And I put myself out there. I'm bold. I date. I'm very confident. I never had a lack of dates, but they just didn't feel like the one or they didn't move forward or they were just like the world's worst dates, which I've had so many of the world's worst. Like when I say the world's worst, I mean, I had a guy take his retainer out at the table and put it on a napkin in front of me. And I just thought this is like date. Oh my God. I've had some of the worst (laughs) dates and I mean, I was ready. So I was putting myself out there. I mean, I like a tall guy. I was given short guys chances. I was trying to be out of my comfort zone. Vegas is an example. You never know who Mm -hmm. you're going to so when I got to 31 through two, I, I kept wondering, like, why is this not happening for me? I've done the work. I feel like I'm in a good place. You know, I've gotten people out of my life that don't feel like belong in my life. I have a great circle. Mm. I've done the work to, to be ready. And it, it wasn't happening. And again, it really is about the other person has to be there too. If I had met Marcus at 31 through 2, 33, when I was ready, he wasn't. He hadn't gone through mm. what he didn't go through. And I think that's the big mm. takeaway is you both need to be there. And that's why timing is so key. And, you know, we always talk about it because, you know, there's this part of us where like, well, can you imagine that I just didn't take that flight that day? Or there's so many what ifs. If I'd never gone to New York, I'd never have met this couple. There's so many what ifs. But then we, we always kind of resort back to that one little thing where I was asked to do this show. And that would have been maybe the other opportunity that would have found me there. And oddly enough, the winter before I met Marcus, I said to my girlfriend, like, we got to go to Dallas. I feel like my husband's <laughs> in Dallas. That just feels like a place That's where my so husband's going to be. And what do you know? Marcus was like born and raised in Dallas. Yeah. So he just it wasn't there <laughs> at the time, but I was definitely getting closer. And so I do believe when you're just because you're ready doesn't mean he is, and you've got to let him go through his journey. Okay. That is so good. I'm so glad you shared that because that's been something I've kind of been honestly asking many people on a random occasion is like, I, because I saw this quote on Instagram and it was something about, it was very like romantic and it was pretty much saying something about like, you know, maybe we met forever at the wrong time, something of that Mm -hmm. nature. And I went through the comment threads and I saw a lot of people with, to my surprise, very pessimistic views saying like, you know, hate to break it to you, but you know, there's no such thing as wrong per like wrong time. It's just wrong person. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but feel like I don't, I just don't align with it. And obviously everyone has their own beliefs, but I always love to ask people with like literally that exact experience, something of what you just shared right there. You said it yourself, you know, had you met Marcus a couple years earlier, it wouldn't have been, you know, 
like it wouldn't have been the way it was right now, even though you guys end up being each other's person, but that was still the wrong time, right? Like, yeah, and truth met- be told, like mm-hmm. I can truly tell you if he walked into my life for 31, I don't know that I would have dated someone seven years younger. Like truthfully, like I don't know that mm-hmm. even though I'd done the work and I had, I don't know, it really was the day it was supposed to happen. Like everything aligned, it made sense. We were in the right place at the right time. My business had allowed me, like, everything worked. And do I think that every relationship's like that? Not always, you grow up beside your you know, husband, he's your best friend growing up and it works. Every relationship's different. But I do think that timing is so essential because you both need to be there. You know, it's two people making this relationship, not just one. Mm. Okay. With that in mind, do you believe everything happens for a reason or do you believe that, I guess that, you know, everything kind of has, plays its way because of some sort of like direct decision you made so again for example you made a decision to continue on with your flight and your trip to vegas and then things played out there or do you believe it's kind of like more of a magical unexplained universal type of um situation so hard because i guess it, de- it depends on what you i guess it depends on how good my week was right because i do believe <laughs> i do believe that it's going to play out the way it's supposed to i really truly believe that we are destined for something and your journey is somewhat there do I think that you can change that journey? For sure. I mean, I think there's obstacles to take you off your course of your journey. I believe that. I believe that you can easily, like, you know, there's people in terrible relationships and you might never get out of that relationship if you don't do the work to treat yourself right and like heal yourself. You actively have to participate in your path is my sort of belief. And I believe that, yes, you've got a destined path if you do the work and you put in the time. And sometimes those are bad things that happen to you to mm-hmm. lead you into the right direction. Right. So you would say it's kind of a combination of both. Mm-hmm, or like you're putting in the work. Right. Right. Okay. Um, two more questions. Uh, I'm definitely curious about this one. Clearly you have a lot of like, alpha bold energy <laughs> and you mentioned it yourself. Um, you know, you've had girlfriends that have said, you know, you don't know who else could handle you aside from Marcus yeah. and so forth. Has that ever been, especially, um, you know, with years prior before all of this, you know, feminist movement and this, this boldness within women coming out, um, being encouraged. Have you ever been like criticized for having too bold of a personality as a female? And how did you overcome that if you did? Well, you know, I even think back to like, that's a great question. And the reality is like, even growing up, I was really bold. And you know, what do you think I was told constantly? Like, (laughs) don't talk at a turn. Like, it's almost like girls were groomed at a young age to sort of not, you know, talk at a place or, you know, be polite. And, you know, I believe I was all those things, but I definitely had an opinion. And I don't think that you should ever take that from someone. Cause that's really like your, that is my spirit, right? Like the way I am is my spirit. So if you're telling someone to change their spirit, that's bizarre to me. And so I've definitely had conflict with women. I would say not so much men. I think men kind of appreciate it for the most part, but there's always going to be that woman that doesn't like that and, and feels like conflict with that or feels, you know, maybe she's bold and there's, a, there's some competitiveness. Mm. However, I truly believe, and I hope that this is the case, that I really try and be just a good person and be really, you know, honest and respectful and, you know, hear everybody out. So I, I haven't had like issues with women by any means, um, but I can definitely tell there's some women that I probably wouldn't jive with or just don't, you know, have a lot in common with because I'm probably... I'm a lot to handle. You know, I can dominate a common conversation. I can definitely dominate a room. And, you know, if you're not that person, that can be very intimidating to say, go for dinner and like be single and meet men with me. That probably wasn't right. their favorite, their favorite <laughs> wing woman, you know, right. and I have heard that. 
Ah, okay. But you said that you didn't, you don't feel like men are like, I mean, you said it yourself, like you don't think it is is an issue as much with men per se compared to women. Yeah. Like I truthfully, I really don't. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's actually more women. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where we all have to kind of come together and allow women to be women. And in any facet that is, if that's, you know, quiet, loud, you know, spontaneous, whatever you are, whatever your, you know, energy is. I think we need to honor that in different people. I actually think men are usually a little more tolerable. And I know we're in this movement and a lot of people might not agree with me. That's my experience. And maybe that's my experience because I am bold and I am strong and I am very independent. I haven't put myself or I haven't found myself in situations where I feel that I wasn't able to be that person. Mm. Wow. I really like that. And I, and I ask because I also have a, you know, pretty bold and ambitious personality, especially for a young woman as well. Yeah, so I've definitely, I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely heard, you know, the criticism more so from like family members with the whole idea sure. of, you know, females should be a little bit more like this. You could be intimidating men. And I'm, you know, that's why I was curious for you. I mean, I love your personality. The fact that you're able to do so many things that now I have put on my own bucket list, like Vegas <laughs> myself. I think that's amazing. But I think that's a great example for women to just not be afraid afraid to be who they are at their spirit, right? Like you said, I think it's, it's important to encourage that and embrace that and, you know, allow people to be who they want to be. Well, that's how we flourish, right? I mean, right. I mean, I, there's these, there's these schools called Montessori schools. And I just, mm-hmm. it's bizarre to me because I didn't go to one and I don't have children, but my girlfriend was explaining that it's set up very differently. They, they really honor what the child is good at. You know, they've got to do all their subjects, but they're allowed to focus on what makes them happy. And if their mm-hmm. art is they're happy, then flourish that. Don't focus on math. And I think that's the same thing with people. It's important to really know what you're good at and feel confident what you're good at because that's where you excel. If you're trying to, you know, conform or be someone that you're not or listen to other people's expectations, that's really hard on your spirit. Mm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I could not agree more. Um, okay. Well, one last question. It's something mm-hmm. I ask every guest on this show, but what ultimately fulfills you in life? Oh, it's, it's so simple, truly. I mean, my family, my friends and my dogs, like, I mean, everything else is great, but like really at the end of the day, like that's who I want to be, you know, quarantined Mm. with. I want to (laughs) be the people that love me, the people I love back. And, you know, on a normal Friday night, I'm making margaritas at my house with family and friends, my dogs. And like, that is my happy place. Mm, I love that answer. I could not agree more with it. I'm a huge advocate for relationships and, you know, the people around you at the end of the day, especially during COVID. I think we all recognized to some extent how crucial it is to maintain human connection and have one another Mm -hmm. in our lives because, you know, money comes and goes and, you know, material things happen. But at the end of the day, it's it's who you want to be around that's actually going to ultimately fulfill you in life. It's, you know, my opinion, but clearly you also agree as well. Yeah. I love that. And I just think, and not even that it's changed because of COVID. I think I'm just Mm -hmm. one of those people that even though I love to aspire and I love my career and I love to travel, those are all really important things to me. But when you really break down, what is the one thing I couldn't live without? That is what I could not live without. Mm. Wow. 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 Such a great answer. Awesome. Well, where can everyone find you? Share, you know, your website links, your social media where, you know, they can stalk you if they will. Awesome. <laughs> please, please stalk me. Um, so my Instagram, my personal Instagram is Allie in the city. Allie spelled with an A-L-L-E-Y. And our company, the marketing agency is Propel Connect. And our pop-up events is at Our Collective Experience. So those are our three IG accounts. We would love some support, especially with our new venture and our new uh, micro events. And we'd appreciate some love. 
Amazing. And I will, of course, link all of that in the show notes so they can just find you easier. But thank you again, Ali, for being on the show today. This conversation was so fun. I learned so much from you. (laughs) And I will definitely let you know once I hit that bucket list of going to Vegas by myself. I think that's uh, that's a ballsy one, but I love it. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Well, I'm glad we had this time and I appreciate you having me on.